Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. It's the social club and we're back for another show. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another late night edition of the Chronicles of Aguna's Social Club. I'm delighted to be joined once again by the brilliant Dan DeLuca. Dan, welcome back to the programme, my friend. First of all, how are you? I'm just, um, I've just watched Tottenham's. I've just rubbed the sleep out of my eyes and I'm just recovering. <laughs> that is 94 I'm... minutes of my life I'll never get back. I've got to be honest, I didn't watch any of it. Um, just a quick reminder to those of you who haven't seen it yet. Um, it was live uh, starting from 9pm with Adrian Clark. We were looking back at the defeat against Leicester City. So if you haven't checked that out, head over there and check that out now. Um, Adrian with some great insight as always. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll gloss over the Tottenham game. Maybe we'll come on to talk about it a little bit later on. Um, but we are going to discuss a couple of Arsenal bits. And of course, we're going to be looking back at the... Um, the, the Premier League weekend, and in terms of football, it wasn't the greatest weekend, but there was plenty to talk about, funnily enough, which seems a little bit strange, but that was definitely the case. Um, let's start off, though, talking Arsenal. And the first kind of thing that I want to discuss is, is the fact that news broke today that Shkodran Mustafi has rejected a new contract offer from Arsenal Football Club, which when you think about it, sounds absolutely nuts. Um, it sounds absolutely nuts that Shkodran Mustafi is even in a position where he can say, I don't want the contract. The problem here is that he has only got this season to run on his deal. And I feel like, Dan, it must be a case of Arsenal just trying to protect their asset, protect his value, because surely they don't want to keep this guy any longer. Yeah, I think I think he's quite poor by Mustafi. I, I think he owes the club a transfer fee. You, know, you see this happen a lot with like, when big players are linked away from clubs and then they mysteriously sign a new deal and then they leave the next year anyway. It's almost like, you know, I'll sign this deal for you, but then you're going to sell me. But, you know, would it have hurt him to sign a new deal and gone in the summer for like, I don't know, five million quid? So, so yeah, he obviously um, he obviously um, doesn't want to mess around and he wants to start looking for new clubs in January and get a decent sign-on fee, I suppose. I reckon his agent has um, probably advised him to reject that, but... Yeah, it makes sense from Arsenal to try and try and keep him on the books for a year and, and sell him for for a small amount of money, but not not to be. The problem is though, as well. I mean, he's received uh, hell from certain sections of the Arsenal fan base over the course of the last few seasons. So, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from that he probably owes the club a bit of a transfer fee. That the reality is they they spent a fortune on him. He hasn't performed. And now it feels like, you know, we kind of need him to sign that contract so that we can move him on and he doesn't want to play ball. But when you've been in and out of the team like he has, when you've had the abuse that he has received, when you've had the criticism coming at you left, right and centre, and let's be honest, some of it has been justified, but some of it hasn't been as well. Um, I've got to say that I think a lot of it has been OTT. I think he's been blamed for things that weren't necessarily always his fault. 
that's not to say that he didn't deserve some. He definitely deserves some because he's not been at the level required. And when you pay 30, 35 million pounds for a centre-back, you expect a certain standard. And we certainly didn't get that standard consistently anyway from Shkod Ram Mustafi. So real strange one, this, um, in terms of like when I read it, I was a little bit shocked. I was a little bit like, whoa, why is Shkod Ram Mustafi rejecting us? But I think when you think about it and you put everything into context and you try and work it out, you know, had he decided to sign the contract and been happy not really playing football and, and being a bit of a reserve and all that stuff, you'd start calling him a mercenary. You'd start calling him a mess at Ozil. You'd start calling him someone who's just trying to bleed the club dry. So I think if it is because he wants to go off and play football somewhere else, I think you kind of just got to let him go. It's not part of the plans. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the abuse, every team at any given time has a scapegoat of sorts. You know, even if you've got a team with 10, you know, you can make 10 brilliant signings in the summer, have a really good side, there's still a weak point. And I think when you've got a price tag attached, similar to Pepe now and he's not putting in the performances, there's only so long before the fans get a little bit restless. And then you start getting associated things that aren't necessarily your fault. So, for example, you look at um, Yang's miss against Olympiakos, it, you know, Aubameyang's got credit in the bank. No problem. It's unfortunate. Fucking hell, how's he missed that? Lacazette misses that. And, you know, the knives are sharpened and, and they're going in. And I think Mustafi got himself into a place where he had he had quite a few poor performances at, at, at the wrong time when the defence was struggling. And then um, he become associated with that. Um, he come with a big reputation, didn't he, from, from the German national side. And I guess that's, that's just what happens. You know, every every club has one. Everyone has, and it maybe changes from season to season. But I guess he's in a place where it's it's easy for him now just to, you know, get one last decent payday with no transfer fee for a, for a new club and see how his career. So I get why yeah. he's done it. I just I just always feel like it doesn't hurt to to sign to sign a one year deal and then command a, a transfer fee for the club. Yeah, but then what if? He's Nobody stuck. wants to pay that transfer fee. <laughs> and that is the risk, isn't it? Um, there is, of course, a risk. Let's see what these guys are saying in the live chat. Uh, big hello to every single one of you who's joining us at the minute. Um, the insurance basket says, I'm working from my home office this morning between the same old Arsenal podcast and the discovery of this. I'm getting fuck all done this morning. Damn you. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate, that we're distracting you. Um, but welcome to the channel. Subscribe if you haven't already. Um, and uh, smash that like button on the video too. It is very much appreciated. Uh, Psycho Vibe says, why should we care if he rejects a new contract? To me, all the fans don't want him. Uh, LK says, why are we even offering him a contract? We don't learn at Arsenal. Where's the ambition if we're giving Mustafi a contract, but Saliba can't even be on the bench? Uh, Ross says, Arsenal low-balled the contract, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, knowing the way Arsenal operate, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, what else have we got? Insurance basket says, can't blame him and it's easier to secure his move away once he's out of contract. Can't leave his fate in the hands of a corporate uh, trying to wrangle a few million for him. Fair play to him. Wish him well. Haji Mohammed says, Mustafi, new contract. Arteta, are you bloody mad? Mustafi, Socrates, Lacazette must all leave Arsenal. Mustafi out and Arteta out if he loses a few more games. <laughs> I, I mean, that's mad. That's mad. Straight in. No, like, no messing about. Yeah, it, it. It, it's mad. I mean, I know that last night was really, really frustrating. I'm as frustrated as anybody. But to be calling for the guy's head at this stage is is 
it's stupid. I, I, I tried to think of a polite way of putting that, but there isn't one. It's stupid. It's nuts. It's jumping the gun. It's being reactionary. Yes, Arsenal have lost three games this season. Still only three points off of the top four, though. And at the end of the day, the defeats have come at Liverpool, at Manchester City, and at home to a side who just about missed out on the top four last season, which is ultimately where we want to be. So let's not overreact. Let's keep it calm. And, and we move on. We move on. Um, Dan, let's uh, let's start dissecting some of the weekend's action because, um, as I've put in the title, VAR took centre stage again. Um, and I know that me and you have very different views on VAR and we'll touch on that a little bit. Um, let's start with the, the United-Chelsea game. Obviously, not much in the way of actual football and actual action to talk about. It was a drab, dull affair. Um you know, I made this, I should, probably shouldn't admit this on air, but I made a really silly mistake the other day. I've I've got this thing about preparing for commentaries where I over-prepare and I take with me too many notes, too many stats, too many facts that I'm going to throw in at certain points. And, and I always come back with pages and pages of untouched stuff. And this weekend I thought, do you know what? I'm going to prepare, but I'm not going to go OTT. And it was so slow that this was the game where I actually probably needed more fillers than I've ever needed in my entire life. Um, the big incident, the big talking point was the Harry Maguire foul on Cesar Azpilicueta. I mean, a dog would have told you that that was a, that was a penalty. Nuts, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's get straight into it. Look, this is what VAR was for. VAR shouldn't be for the things it's doing, like disallowing goals because someone's toenails offside and, and and stuff like that. This is what VAR was for. Something the referee couldn't really see. I kind of would like the linesman to see it, really, if I'm honest, but there's, there's, there's a long line of players in the box. This is what VAR was for. It was for this. The referee hasn't seen it, and it's a clear foul. You know me, I, I don't give penalties easily. I, 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 turn, I turn away many, many, many penalties, but you look at that one, and he's physically stopped him from jumping. And it's not like he's it's at the back of the box where the ball isn't there. The ball is heading directly in that area of the pitch. That's pretty much what has got first run. And he's, he's held his shoulders down and stopped him from jumping. And and I just don't I just don't know where to go with it. When you look at that and you think, well, if the guy hasn't given that as a penalty, then what, what is that guy on that day expecting to see? What is he expecting to do when he turns up for work? Is he just waiting for a goal to go in so he can apply the lines to the computer? Or, do, or does he want to get involved in the game? It's a real weird one for me. Um, and, you know, the referee couldn't see it. That's fair enough. In real time, it's just another player going down in the box. You see it, you know, you see it, see it time and time again. Don't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. And that's where you need the video to look back and say, look, you know, this is this is a foul. There's no two ways. Of, there's no two ways about that. And, you know, the rules in the box are different to the rules outside the box. And I do find when people say this, oh, that happened anywhere else on the pitch, it's a foul. Nothing winds me up more because there's different rules in the box. That's just how it is. You you don't want penalties given for some of the things that fouls are given for. But that is, that's just a foul. I just can't understand it. It, it was literally, it, he literally had the guy in a headlock. Yeah. And I, I mean, let's, let's just quickly discuss VAR a little bit because we're of very different views. Guys that have listened to this podcast in the past will know that. Um, I don't agree with you, but I respect the view. Um, and and I agree with Crook in the comments who says VAR is a great concept, poorly executed. Now, I know that 
we're going to talk about it and you're going to give kind of your viewpoint on why VAR can't work. But in situations like the Harry Maguire one, like we're discussing now, I mean, how I, what I find baffling is how you can look anywhere further than the guy who's operating it and suggest that there is a deeper line problem. Actually, isn't it just somebody who, despite having the replay, despite having the tool available to them, is still making a shocking decision? Yeah, it is in that instance. But VAR, the guy there's called it a concept run by run by Crowns. I think I think I think I, I changed she, the comment I, on the screen. <laughs> I think he or she means clowns. Clowns, yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't disagree with that. Um as an you can look at an isolated incident and say, well, that guy should see it. But when you think of VAR as the bigger picture, what VAR was brought in to do was to make matches fair. That's what it was meant to do. It was meant to make things fair. And it's impossible to make things. It's, it's impossible to achieve that. There's too many. There's too many instances in a game where VAR could potentially be used. And if it gets every single decision it looks at right, what about the decisions it doesn't look at? And then if it gets all of the decisions in the pitch it looks at, well, what about the throwing over there that led to the goal? Or what about the deflected corner that leads to a goal? And then it goes on and on and on and on and on. And the fact is, football fans football managers and football players will never be happy with their lot in life. You know, you come off you come off pitches and you watch games and then you see or hear managers whinging about some kind of injustice that they somehow have found. And VAR is just an extension of that. So as a concept, I, d I don't think as a concept it is, it is deliverable because there's always going to be something that, that it, it can't do or you don't want it to do until something has happened that affects your team. And then we go around again and we go around again and we go around again. And, and the fact is, it doesn't treat decisions equally, which makes it the same as a referee. So the problem we got now is, you know, there are some things that you would say if VAR was taken away now, you, you would almost miss it because you'd be waiting for that error and you'd say, oh, where's VAR? Well, now it's gone. But the fact is, as a concept, I've accepted it. I knew this would happen, but I've accepted VAR is not gonna is not gonna solve anything for me that it was intended to solve. And that was that was these main things, the things we we spoke about. It was um we can't have decisions, we can't have big games decided by decisions. Well they still are. We just want consistency. Well we haven't got that. And we don't want to be debating decisions after the game. Well here we are. All them three things are still gonna recur. Whatever whatever happens. And it's because footballers and football fans always feel a sense of injustice, no matter what. No matter what it is, you take yesterday, for example, you know, a couple of decisions and we'll talk about them in a minute, I'm sure. Had Leicester not won that game, they would have come out and they'd have been crying because, because VAR doesn't look at second yellow cards and Bellerin stayed on the field. Arsenal have lost the game, they're upset because VAR hasn't intervened. No matter what, whatever happens, there's always going to be someone on a football pitch or in a dugout or people like you and I who are a bit miserable because our team haven't won. <laughs> Although my team have won today. But, you know, they'll be looking at it and you'll always be looking for that reason and you'll always find one. But isn't that something that we had before anyway? So if we can improve a certain percentage, let's say, that is an improvement and it is us being in a better position than we were initially. So I, I totally accept wh where you're coming from. I think we, we're never going to be in a place or a space even where every single 
decision is correct because as you said and as you've said previously in football there are so many subjective decisions that that is just simply impossible and I I don't want to bang on about this clear and obvious concept because I feel like we've talked that to death as well but there are many instances where VAR has made the right call has helped the officials pick up on something that's maybe been missed so, uh, uh, you know, is there an argument maybe, and I, I don't often agree with Jamie Carragher, but is there an agreement or an argument, I should say, that maybe we should have the more experienced officials, the better officials, let's say, operating the VAR rather than being on the pitch? Should we have ex-players chipping in with the VAR system, helping out, who maybe have a better understanding of what goes on on the pitch? You know, there's got to be ways, surely, that we can improve this because it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So how do we get it to a point? How do we get it to a point? Yeah, exactly. But how do we get it to a point where we're never going to be at a point where we're never discussing decisions or never debating decisions? But how do we get to a point where it's not such a frequent occurrence? You need to, you need to have a system that fits the rules of the game. The minute you're changing rules to fit a system, you're acknowledging, by definition, the system doesn't work for what you need it for. So where the, the, the gentleman said, oh, it's a great concept. It can't be a great concept because you're changing rules for it to fit, which is basically saying it doesn't work. Um, in terms of having the better referees on the, on the VAR, would that, would that matter? Possibly. But then you've got, to, you've got to look and ask why the Premier League hasn't got officials good enough to operate anyway, if that's the case. Ex-players, yeah, I'd like to think, you know, I'd like to think I know when a player has dived or when they've played for, played for a free kick or played for a penalty, you know, and I'd, li- I'd like to think ex-players got a better understanding of that and maybe that would help. You know, does it need to be, <clears throat> does it need to be um, an ex-player? Why can't it be, you know, just someone who's applied for the role? You know, who goes to an interview and explains his logic and how he looks at things and he's given five or six decisions to look at and talks someone through them and convinces him he knows what he's watching. Because I think sometimes football is quite insular and it keeps everything in-house. So maybe that's not helping mm-hmm. because what we're saying here, where where we said it's run by clowns or crowns, it's the same clowns, is, is what your argument is, Harry. Your argument is, well, actually, we bought this system in, we still the same idiots using it. So yeah, exactly. why, not, why not bring someone else? Why not get Why not get a rugby referee who's you know, a retired rugby referee who can't keep up anymore, who's been using technology in sport for years and get them to apply the technology because the rules are there. So so actually now what we're doing, let's find a solution to use technology rather than have someone else apply the rules and look at it from a different way. Why have we got to keep the same clowns? <clears throat> you know, you've got Pierre-Luigi Collins taking over one of the best referees ever. But, you know, what's to say even his, his judgment isn't clouded by things that have happened in the past? And yeah. I just feel, you know, there's, there's ways of, of doing this. But the thing for me, this is going to sound really out, outlandish, what I'm going to say now to, to some people. But what really bugs me about the AR is that we're referring to it as technology. Because it's not technology. All it is is a video replay. And I've been watching video replays since, since you know, since the day I was born. There's no technology involved in this whatsoever. Why not? consider what technology we can have. So I hate the offside rule. And the reason I hate it, if you watched Liverpool's goal the other day, they got disallowed against Everton. So I was delighted they got disallowed, like most of us probably were. I was thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. Liverpool didn't win and I was happy. But does anyone as a football fan, honestly, hand on heart, want a goal disallowed for that? 
Not really. But it, so I'm thinking about this. <clears throat> People are calling this technology. The world is advancing technologically really, really fast. Why can't why can't football? So you look at when Man City won the league and the ball didn't cross the line by about was it eight millimeters or something ridiculous like that? No yep. one got upset by that eight millimeters. The reason they didn't get upset is because the decision was instant. So why is it not why can't we look at technologies that say if we're gonna insist on offside being binary, why can't we have a situation where, you know, we've got chips in players' boots and and when the ball's played, if someone's offside, you know, the balls around the stadium flash up red and you know straight away. Because it's the time that bothers people. It's the fact that a goal's gone in and someone's celebrated it and run to the corner flag. And there was a game against Tottenham last year where Pep Guardiola runs so far down the line he needed a ticket to get back in. And and then when he got back in, he realised it was disallowed. And, and I thought it was amusing, but actually that's technology. We've got to stop calling this technology. It's not. It's a video replay where you've got referees now almost asking themselves what does what what do the chiefs of football want me to do with this decision as opposed to what is the correct decision and as a result we're getting decisions that we're not happy with yeah i i totally agree with you in terms of that there could be further technological advances that will make it clear cut but you you touched on the fact that the reason that, that it's clear that it doesn't work because we've had to change rules if you was to put chips in players' boots, then you'd have to adjust the offside rule accordingly to make that, I guess, measure. You'd have to have a, it would have to be a boot that's offside, for example. It would have to be a certain part of the player's yeah, body. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, as, you, opposed, as, opposed to a, as opposed to a hip or a rib pad. Yeah, right. I mean, so, I think that's a reasonable, a reasonable sacrifice. I guess it falls down when someone scores a header and their upper body's offside. So, yeah, it falls down in that respect. But, as a system, it's not going to solve the things that we wanted to solve, is, is, is where I am with it. It might chalk off the odd goal, some rightly, and you'll say, well, thank God VAR was there. What was that lineman doing? You know, yeah. you know you, you, you'll still get those. And there'll be a few of them. But when we look at the percentage of the decisions, it's, um, it depends what decisions you include. You know, if you look at penalty box decisions, you might say, but then there's another decision that another team may not benefit from and when you're in a place where one team benefits because the intervention of VAR and another team doesn't you've missed the point and that's my issue with it and you know god forbid god forbid at the other end two minutes after Manchester United got that penalty well for, for the little tackle match. thankfully they yeah. didn't but you know can, can you would have been imagine? carnage would have been absolute carnage and that, and that sort of thing has happened has happened there's a game in Italy I watched them at the back end of the last season Involving Juventus, surprisingly, Juventus got the call. But yeah, um, and you look at it and think, this isn't this isn't solving things unless unless it gets every single every single decision that affects the game, like majorly affects the game. Like like Bellerin, let's say Bellerin's volley went in yesterday, which if he caught it, you know, he caught it too well. If he if he shanked it a bit, it goes in either corner. Can you imagine the uproar? And then, oh, why doesn't it look at second yellow cards? And why doesn't it do this? And I just don't see where it ever ends. Yeah, but then you're you're seeking perfection. And we've had this con conversation before. You will never get perfection. You will never get 100% with VAR. All it is for me is, like you said, I'm not even going to call it technology anymore because you made a great point. It is a replay that should assist the, the official to get, more decisions right than they did previously and, and i get what you know there is 
whilst it saves kind of these <coughs> injustices, it prevents them happening. It prevents some of them happening. There will be others who will then be upset that, oh, but why didn't the VAR check this for me? So I get what you're saying. There is never a 100% solution that suits all parties. This is the kind of issue with it. But I guess, look, we've got to realise, I know obviously we're in the second season now, but it's still very early days with regards to the Premier League and, and VAR. And what I find most frustrating is that the Premier League have decided that they're going to do it different to everybody else. I mean, why? What makes them sort of better than everybody else? What what gives them the impression that they can ignore everything that's happened in the past and those who have worked on it and improved the system gradually and just said, actually, fuck that, we're going to do it our way? That's that's what winds me up. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. And I guess the main the main difference is the the frequency referees go over to the monitor. In in all the football I've watched, I can only recall twice the referee going over to the monitor, not changing his decision. Like twice, like twice. Normally if you sent to the monitor, if I was a defender and the ref got sent to the monitor, I'd just I'd shrug my shoulders and just wait for <laughs> and wait for the bad news. So that, that's that's the key point, isn't it, that, that's different. Why can't we send the referee over? And I would prefer a situation where the referee made the decision. Or if, if VAR stays, and it will. It will, yeah. It absolutely I, will. And, it, and do you know what? I hate VAR, but the first game it's not here and something happens, I'll be saying, Jesus, even now, when VAR is not available in like the League Cup, you think, oh, fucking, where's VAR in this game? So if it's yeah. here, it's staying. I would like to see some more common sense, but the only thing I would ask for, and this happens in rugby, and um, I watch a lot of rugby, I can't play it too skinny, but I watch a lot of rugby, <laughs> and when in rugby, you can hear the conversation between a referee and a video man. It is clear, it is explained you can still disagree at the decision if you want to, but you are under no illusion whatsoever as to why that decision has been made. It becomes a lot harder to get decisions wrong. You know, if I'm, you know, I've seen this. I've seen a guy go down. Can you tell me what you've seen? Oh, I've seen the ball come in and I've seen a hand on the shoulder. He's tried to jump. And then they're talking through it and you can you can clearly see. So yeah. the perfect scenario for that yesterday would have been Arsenal's goal or non-goal, you know. The first question the referee in rugby would ask was, you know, give me a reason why I can't all this goal. And he'll say, oh, well, there's, you know, Xhaka stood in an offside position. And they'll say, but do you think he's interfering with play? And then he'll say, well, I've seen the header. And at this point, Schmeichel stood here. And they, they talk it through. And as a fan, you're listening to it. You go to the ground, I swear to God, you can hire you can hire for a couple of quid earphones. And you can hear, if you're in the stadium, what the ref's saying. Obviously, you're on t- watching on TV, you can hear it all. <clears throat> but you know exactly, they systematically talk through that situation. There's more natural stoppages in rugby and they're more used to it. So you could argue that football wouldn't, wouldn't want that. But you have to know what's going through. Yeah, and, and we're getting the stoppages anyway with VAR because we're often seeing a minute, a couple of minutes sort of delay to make decisions anyway. So, I, I mean, for me, and I've said this to you before, um, but I'll say it now on, on the show. For me, the, the worst feeling in the world is walking away from a football ground knowing that you've been ripped off, knowing that you've been robbed. I, you know, I can take losing. I can take not being at our best on the day, but coming away from a football ground, knowing that we were 
ripped off. That for me is the worst. And if I have to wait a minute, sometimes two minutes to, to prevent that from happening and, and I have to delay my celebration of a goal, I'm okay with that. I am actually okay with that. I've made my peace with that. It's not an issue for me. That's the bit I'm not okay with, though, is the celebrate the celebrating goals. You know, because it's we've got no fans now. But my my feeling for the back end of, or the middle of last season was it wasn't the same in the ground when the goal went in. Um, you remember you remember Harry Kane's goal against Arsenal, where he where he took the mask off, where we were both challenging for the title and and. We drew to all in the end, didn't we? And but you finished third really that year. <laughs> yeah, we did. We, we did. We went on the beach a few weeks earlier. Our job was done. Um, but um, that got so that goal there. I've only once been in a stadium before where there has been that much pandemonium of a ball hitting the net. That would have been ruled out. And yeah, you'll say it was the right decision because because Deli Ali was offside in the build up, relatively insignificant, but he still got the ball. Backheeled it to Harry Kane, who scored a screamer. To have to run the risk of a moment like that to be disallowed for something so so minor, you think, do I really want that? But that's the thing: is it minor when it's actually the rule? But I think like, it's not minor, is it? Like it's, it's actually like, impacted. Yeah, but no, I mean everything impacts at some point, and that's my argument about well, you know, what about this? What about that? at some point everything impacts? So. You know, you take that one there. If the ball went through to Delhi Ali, who's offside by that much, and he takes a touch and scores, yeah, okay. But then if he, he he picks it up in the corner flag, he's not by that much. Then he back heels through someone's legs. Then someone takes a touch and scores a goal. He's got no right to score. That the the impact of that is so minimal, and the pandemonium is so great. And, and you're in a point where you're almost taking it out. like the Manchester City one against Tottenham, which everyone remembers, where everyone went absolutely berserk, and. If Aguero was onside instead of being offside, he still he still would have scored. It 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 made no difference. I was delighted, of course I was, but it made no. And you think you look at those scenes and you look how crazy you go when certain goals go in, and just to have to take a little bit of passion off of that because you're worried, especially get... for the the marginal ones where you know you know you play a ball through the channel and then the right back crosses it and then someone scores. And that right back just might have, his shoulder might have lent too early. Because when a forward's running, he's running that way. When a defender's running, he's running that way. So now you're getting penalised because you're leaning. And you think, do you really want that? No, you, in an ideal world, nobody wants the, the golden moments of football ruined. I agree with you. But, you know, there are goals that go in. For example, if someone picks the ball up from 30 yards out and smashes it into the top corner, you know, the likelihood of that being disallowed is is very low. Yeah. So so you still do get those moments. I get what you're saying. Like it can take away from a moment. And I've been in the Emirates when Arsenal have scored a goal and I've gone, everyone's gone nuts around me. And I've gone, wait, wait. Like let's let's have I've looked at the linesman. It's gone from being a glance to the linesman yeah. to now actually you have to wait. But I, I get find, that. Do you find though like you can read the game. A lot of people can. I, I certainly can. But in the ground, when you, you used to glance at the linesman, there was a reason you used to glance at the linesman. Yeah, because you, you, you've got a suspicion. You, you used to suspect. And now you're in that place yeah. where you can't glance at the linesman to say, I'm going to stop celebrating here and I'm just going to tap my mate on the shoulder and say, calm down and don't make a cunt of yourself, mate. Right? Yeah. Because 
the flags up. Now you're looking, the linesman's flag's not even up. And it's like, well, do I celebrate? Don't I celebrate? Uh, and the moment's gone. And that's that. And then you get the ones where, you know, you, you, you completely don't suspect it. And it's just it's just a horrible way to think about a goal. You know, it's a horrible way. And then we have to find a quicker way. We have to, I want to know when that ball hits net, I want to know in a half a second whether I'm about to go bonkers or not. But th- this is the thing as well, though, isn't it? Because we've often seen VAR look at something. We can tell from the first replay whether it was on or off, yet they seem to take an absolute age to make the decision or for the decision to filter through. I find that really hard to understand sometimes. Why is it that me or you watching it on TV can tell whether you've got that right or wrong within, you know, a couple of a couple of seconds, yet a trained official needs to take ages on it. That's that's the, the yeah. frustrating bit. And I think I think if we can get to that place where it's quick, you you can put up I can reluctantly put up with some of the other stuff. Yeah. You know, and if you know, if you can see the goal from a throwing that shouldn't have been a throwing, well, do you know what? You need to grow a pair of bollocks and get on with it because you should be able to defend the throwing. You, you know, if it's yeah, a corner, yeah. a little bit more unfortunate. But if we can, if we're going to insist on disallowing goals like, like Henderson's um, the other day, if we're going to insist on, and I'm still not even convinced it was offside. By the way, I've still not seen a replay or line. There's been some bad ones. That's probably the worst one I've seen. I'm still not convinced it's even offside, but even if it is, if we insist on goals being disallowed for that, which I think is ridiculous, at least have the common decency of finding a way to do it instantly. Yeah, for sure. You know, last minute, there was no fans in the ground, but the last minute of a derby when you've had a goal taken away, you're still not sure why. And you've had to wait two minutes and have, you know, a, that it just doesn't sit right with me. It really doesn't. Yeah, it's frustrating. There's no no question about that. No doubt about that. Um, don't forget, guys, this show is sponsored by tvsportsblog.com. Head over to their website for lots of brilliant sporting content. They cover a variety of sports as well. Uh, so big hello to John and the team, and thank you for their kind sponsorship of the social club. Um, Dan, we're going to leave it there because we went big on VAR, um, and I thought that that was a, a good discussion and one that needed to be had after what's uh, kind of occurred over the weekend. There were a number of other decisions. Um, we're not going to go over them over and over again because I feel like they've been talked to death. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of The Social Club. Um, yeah, until then, take care of yourselves. Stay safe and uh, all the best. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.